0: Hey, this is Shane Ballenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. We're in the middle of our series called God and Culture. And last Sunday, Pastor Tara did a great job of uh, kicking off our series. But this month, we're talking all about the culture that we live in, but more importantly than that, the God that we serve. See, sometimes we may feel like it is impossible to fit God into our culture in 2022. Sometimes I think that we can even feel like maybe God is outdated. Sometimes we can even feel like maybe, maybe Scripture um, doesn't necessarily apply to my life in 2022 because the world has changed so much since Jesus was walking the earth a couple thousand years ago. Like maybe, maybe God is behind the times a little bit. And the name of Jesus, it can stir a lot of reaction in people, and it can stir a different reaction in people. Some people, when they hear the name of Jesus, they find comfort. Some people may find judgment based on his or her experience with, uh, with other Christians. Some people find love when they think of the name of Jesus. Some people feel nothing when they hear the name of Jesus. And see, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so that means that the name of Jesus, to me, means a lot. It means a lot to me. Taking his name in vain is still ingrained in me today. I don't know if it's, if it's the same for you, but um, for example, when I was a kid, I was always taught to, to never say, oh my God, I don't know if that was what you were taught, but, like, that was a big thing in my house. Do not say, oh, my God. Like, something happens and, people, and someone says, oh, my God. Like, even now, I'm 35 years old, and I'm still like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. And, and it's because it's ingrained in me to not take the, the name of Jesus or the name of God in vain. It's, it's, it's just when I think of Jesus, when I think of God, there is this idea of, all-powerful, all-deserving of my, of my respect, because that was my experience growing up. That, that, was, that was what I was taught, and I have my own personal view of Jesus that I believe and hope is based off of the Bible at all times. However, I know that there are times where I'm going to get things wrong. I don't have a perfect view of who God is. I don't ha- It's not like I've, I've discovered like, oh, okay, I figured it all out. I know everything in regards to who Jesus is, in, in regards to who God is. I understand his character. Like nobody has a full house, right? Nobody has a, the perfect hand of I have figured everything out in regards to God and the culture that, that I live in. And the same goes for you. Like you have your experience, you have your history, you have your past behavior, your childhood, all of those sort of things that impact and influence the way that you view God today, and nobody has the perfect view of Him. Some people, however, don't base their view of God or Jesus off of the Bible. Some of us rather base our view of God off of secondhand information, or life experiences, or opinion, or the news, or more. There are so many things that can influence our perspective of who God is that we have to be very careful. There's a book out there that, um, that's called Not My Jesus by a guy named Bob Faby. And um, in it he talks about the different types of Jesus in our world. Now you may say, what do you mean the different types of Jesus? There's only one Jesus and that's absolutely true. What he's talking about is the different views of Jesus based off of our culture. He gives um, the example of, uh, uh, and uh, it's a clip that I would like to show, but it's not entirely appropriate, (laughs) but that's why I'm not showing it, but he gives the example of uh, in Talladega Nights, if you've seen the movie Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell, the dinner scene um, that they're praying before dinner, and Will Ferrell is talking about the type of Jesus that he prefers to pray to, and he prefers to pray to little eight pounds, six ounce. Christmas baby Jesus. That's the Jesus that he likes. And he's like, when you pray, you can pray to adult Jesus if you like. I like little baby Christmas Jesus. And, uh, and it's a funny scene, but there's some inappropriate comments in it, so I can't share it in church with you today. Um, but he also, maybe another day, I don't know. He also gives, um, Bob Fabi gives examples of, that are more realistic in our world. And here's just a few pictures of Jesus that he gives that can, are common views of who Jesus, or, or common views of Jesus in our world. For the first example he gives is Northern European Jesus. This is the whitewashed, Western, civilized Jesus. Like if, I remember going to His Way Christian bookstores. You guys, I don't know if they're still around. Are they still around, His Way Christian bookstores? There are some of them. I remember as a kid going to His Way Christian bookstores and walking in and being like, oh, Jesus looks like me. Like, he looks exactly like me. And they're like giant pictures of like white, northern European Jesus. And I'd be like, oh, I can relate to him because he looks like me. I assume he smells like me. He thinks like me. He acts like me. Like that's, that's, that's like my first picture of who Jesus is because we've taken this Jesus who is in the Middle East and we've taken him and turned him into white American Jesus. That's a lot of people look at him that way. The, some people look at Jesus as Santa Claus Jesus, right? Well, if I'm good, then I'm going to get some good stuff. If I, do, if I do good things, if I'm on the nice list, then Jesus is going to give me the life that I would prefer. But if I'm on the naughty list, then I'm going to get cold, right? Like I, Then if we look at Jesus as if he's Santa Claus watching us throughout the year, determining the good and bad that we're doing, and giving us whatever it is we deserve based off of that. It's not an accurate view, but that's how a lot of us view Jesus. I think that uh, most of us would, would replace Santa Claus Jesus because that's a childish view with maybe karma Jesus. It might be a little bit more accurate. Next one is a nice guy Jesus. See, Jesus is just this nice guy who loves us, he, he, want, he died for us, but we don't treat him as our Lord. Like, we look at him as just kind of like, eh, a little cuddly, nice Jesus. He's there for us. He did all these things for us, which is true, right? Like, that's true. But we don't actually treat him as our Savior. We don't treat him with reverence. We don't treat him as our Lord. But instead, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, um, it was really popular, like all these T-shirts where it was like, Jesus is my homie. Do you remember those? I, I had a sticker, because it was like when I was a teenager, I remember, and I remember being like, this is cool, and I had a sticker on my Bible that said, Jesus is my homie, and I was like, I'm one of those cool Christians, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I like him, but I'm also cool, like that, and, uh, but, and we would look at Jesus as, oh, he's just my buddy, he's just, he's just my friend, he's just, he's just a nice, cuddly, comfy little Jesus who's does nice things for me and loves me and he's never going to scold me for anything because he's my friend. He's not my Lord. And then the last one, um, he has more in his book, but the ones that stood out to me uh, was a genie Jesus or, or vending machine Jesus, um, I like to say, where it's like, okay, I'm just going to pull him out of this lamp whenever I need him. Whenever I need something, I'm just going to make a wish and Jesus is going to grant it because he's a genie. Because he's just going to provide anything that I need, whenever I need it, I can just call on him and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus is there. We don't don't really allow him to change our lives. We just want him to grant our wishes and to make our dreams come true. So these are just like a few. There are so many different views of who Jesus is in our world today. But today we're examining who Jesus was and is based off of the Bible and nothing else. Not not the opinion of culture, not the opinion of your household growing up, not the opinion of your best friend. Who is Jesus based off of what the Bible says? What is Jesus really about? What is important to him and what is not important to him? One of the temptations when it comes to, to preaching is communicating something that is important to, to the preacher but not necessarily important to Jesus. That, that's a real temptation. When you preach a lot or, or when you speak in front of people, You know, my job as, as your pastor and as a preacher, and whenever Tara's up here or Nicole or Josh or anybody is up here, our job is not to preach my opinion. I have opinions, but that's not my job. My job is to preach the Bible. That's anything and everything that we do up here. But there is always a temptation where something, because I have things on my heart all the time, There's always that temptation in the back of my mind when I'm writing a sermon to be like thinking about maybe an experience I had that week or a conversation that I had with somebody, maybe one of you or somebody who doesn't come here, whatever it may be. And there's always that temptation to be like, I'm going to try to get a message across that isn't even really scripturally based, but is opinion based. And that's a constant temptation that I have to, have to fight, because it's so easy to use the Bible and Jesus to justify what I already believe instead of allowing the Bible and Jesus to decide what I believe. There's a big difference there. And I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Don't take the Bible and take the verses that justify what you already believe and say, I like talking about these and nothing else. Like We should focus on letting the Bible guide us every step of the way. So we're going to get down to the basics. Who is Jesus? What did he stand for? Here's a survey that was taken by the Barna Group in 2015 that sheds some light on how Americans actually view Jesus. Here's here's just a few statistics. First one is this. 92% of adults believe that Jesus was a real person, which should be 100%, but um, this is not that Jesus is a son of God. This is just Jesus is a person who lived and existed. There are also people who believe that the earth is flat, so I guess that's a whole nother conversation, right? So I guess I shouldn't be completely shocked. Um, if you believe that the earth, earth is flat, you're still welcome here, but you're wrong. Anyway, so <laughs> 92% of adults believe that Jesus was a real person. So that's, all right, we're getting off on the right foot, okay? 56% of adults believe that he was God, And 26% believe that he was a religious or spiritual leader along the lines of Muhammad or or Buddha. And the remaining 18% aren't sure. They just say, I don't know. I believe he was a real person, but I I don't know who who he is. And I when I read that, I was like, 56% of adults believe that that Jesus was God? I thought that was pretty high. That was higher than what I expected. Here's the next slide. 52% of adults believe that Jesus committed sins while on earth. 46% believe that he was sinless, and 2% aren't sure. So we're getting a little bit more of a picture of who they think Jesus is, so who, who, who people in our country think Jesus is. Remember, this is based off of, off of America, not, not a global perspective, but, but a, an American perspective. 52% believe that Jesus committed sins while on earth. So then that raises some questions. It's like, okay, if you believe that Jesus was God, which 56% of adults believe that he was God, but 52% of adults believe that he committed sins, we're already confused. We're already like, okay, something's missing here. Here's the next one. 62% of adults claim to have made a personal commitment to Jesus that is still important in their life today, which is also surprising which I believe is higher than the actual number. Because if 56% of adults believe that he was God, but 62% of adults say that they've made some sort of a commitment to him, which is, doesn't add up, right? The math is off here. There's something wrong with this picture. 62% of adults claim to have made a personal commitment to Jesus that is still important in their life today. I, I, to me, this is, this is kind of along the lines of like, when you talk to somebody and you say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I grew up, I went to church when I was a kid, or I go to church a couple times a year, whatever it may be. I, that's kind of where this number, I think, is coming from. The next one, among those who have made a personal commitment to Jesus, this is what they, they believe. When, when you die, I believe you will. So this is the only people who, who claim to be followers of Jesus, this is not people who don't believe Jesus is God. People who would say Jesus is the Son of God, they believe this. When you die, I believe you will. 5% say you will go to heaven because you follow the Ten Commandments. 8% believe that you will go to heaven because you are a good person. 63% believe that you go to heaven because you have confessed your sins to Jesus and accepted Him as your Savior. believe that you go to heaven because God loves all people and will not let them perish. 2% believe that you don't go to heaven at all. And 15% don't know. So I give you all of this information to say this. There are a lot of opinions about Jesus. And there are a lot of questions about Jesus. It's, It's not entirely clear cut in our culture. And if we're talking about the culture and God and how we can blend the two, because we live in the culture. There's no way around it. We live in our world. We're not called to be monks living in a monastery. We're called to be in the world. We're called to make a difference in the world around us, in the community around us. So if that is the case, we have to understand that we're going into a confused world in a confused culture, where not everybody's on the same page in regards to who Jesus is and in regards to who God is. So you are in church right now. So I'm going to assume that you know what I believe. I'm going to assume that you know what we believe about about Jesus, that, that he is the Son of God. And if you believe that Jesus walked this earth, then there is no denying who Jesus believed he was. There's no way around this. Jesus was never shy about claiming who he was. He always claimed that he was the son of God. Now, a lot of times he would say, well, who do you think I am? And he would put the question back on other people. But he was honest. He didn't hide from it. He didn't shy away from it. So if we go back to the first statistics where 92% of people believe that Jesus was a real person, and then a lot of people believe that he was at least, a good teacher or a good prophet, and that a lot of people believe that he is the Son of God, there's all these things that go into it, right? If we believe that about him, and if Jesus was a real person, and Jesus claims to be the Son of God, there's no in-between. Either Jesus was the Son of God, or he was a crazy person. Those are the only options. Because we know what Jesus claimed. And if Jesus isn't the Son of God while claiming to be the Son of God, then that would mean that he is not reliable. That would mean that he's not trustworthy. That would mean that he is not right. And he's not sane. So that creates a rub for a lot of people. Because people say, yeah, Jesus is great. He's a great teacher, no problem. I don't believe he's the Son of God. We can't, he can't be a great teacher and not the Son of God. Because of claims that he has made so this is the question that i want to answer today one question why did jesus come here that's the question what what was the purpose and jesus answered this for us in the gospel of matthew 20 and in in matthew 20 a mom came to jesus with her two sons there's james and john and they're both disciples and, uh, and the mom of James and John came to Jesus, and, the, and she asked a favor of him. It's really, it's really interesting because this goes to show that since the beginning of time, parents have always been trying to get a leg up for their kids. Since the beginning of time. Always trying to get their kids a little bit ahead. It's kind of like the, co- the college admission uh, scandal that happened a few years ago, right? With Becky from Full House, you know what I'm talking about? Aunt Becky, she made some bad decisions and she was trying to get her daughter into a school that she wasn't really qualified to get into and she was trying to find a back door to get in so she paid some money. It wasn't just her. There's a lot of really wealthy people um, who, who were doing this, right? And this isn't like the first time this has happened. Since the beginning of time, parents are always trying to give their kids a leg up over everybody else. It happened with the disciples. It happened with John and James, so let's look at this interaction with Jesus and, uh, and Zebedee's wife, who's also the, the mom of James and John. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. It says this, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, I find this so interesting. I just want to stop there. Jesus just got done telling them how he's going to lay his life down, how he's going to be crucified, how he's going to be brutally beaten and tortured, and he's going to give his life up. And then the very next verse, this is what the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus and said. Kneeling down, ask a favor of him. What is it that you want, he asked. Remember he just said, I'm going, to, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And James and John's mom is like, this is the perfect opportunity to ask a favor. This is, he's ripe for the pickings. So I'm going to ask him a favor. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine, she thinks she's being nice, you pick. Either one, just one, I don't care. You, whichever one's your favorite." Grant one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, the ten outside of the two, James and John, they were indignant with the other two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, you have to admire at least the boldness of this mom, who we we don't, we don't know her her name from, from, from this passage. You have to admire the boldness here. And I feel like this would be, this gotta be a little embarrassing for James and John. Like they're not, they're not kids. They're one of the disciples, each of them. They're a couple of the disciples. And then here comes her mom, says, Jesus, 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 I know that you're gonna do all of this great stuff. Thank you for that, by the way. Thanks for thanks for laying your life on the line so that we could all live and have eternity and hope and all that sort of stuff. That's great. But 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 first, I, I just want to I wanna make sure. After you do that, can my two sons like be first in line? Can they like be, you know, like your right hand and left hand man? Can they be the I want them to be exalted. As well. I want them to be up on this on this pedestal. I mean, she could have found a little bit better timing than this moment. I feel like if my mom did that with with Eric and I, you know, we're both we're both pastors, my brother and I, I would be like, Mom, right? Mom, stop. You're embarrassing me in front of all my friends, mom. I remember years ago when I was like a teenager, well, like, I don't know, older teenager. 17-ish, 18-ish maybe. I remember being out to dinner at Outback, and there was a waitress, um, obviously a waitress or a waiter, but it was, we had a waitress at our table, and my mom thought, oh, she's cute. I'm going to try to set him up with my son. The worst, right? And it's, she's not subtle at all, and uh, I didn't even know, she, she didn't say like, hey, do you want me to like, talk to this waitress for you? Because I would have been like, Absolutely not. Please, can we just have our blooming onion and move about our day, please? And um, the waitress came over, and I just started working at Don Pablo's restaurant. I was training at Don Pablo's, um, which is a terrible Mexican restaurant. But, anyways, um, I was working there, and I just started. And so my mom was like, Oh, this would be slick. And the waitress comes over, and she was like, Hey, this is my son Shane, which it's weird to do to a waitress, right? At any time. This is my son Shane. He just got a job at Don Pablo's. I was thinking maybe you could give him some like pointers. I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, please! You just mortified, please just. And she was like, okay. I mean, here's what some things. And gave me a few suggestions, and I was just like, wanted to sink under the table in the booth, so mortified. And I feel like that's similar to how James and John were in this moment. That's how I would expect them to be, right? Like, oh mom, please, no, don't talk to our boss about us. You're trying to get us a raise, and. Uh, but really they were like yeah they were okay with it because when Jesus said can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink from they're like yes yes we can and they're kind of they're kind of bold with this as well so Jesus gives us the answer as to why he came to this earth it's it clear as day he tells us Jesus came for the sake of people that's it He came for you. He came for me. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Do you want to know what Jesus is all about? Regardless of what the culture says, regardless of what what your neighbor says, regardless of what your best friend or your parents or your boss or whoever says, regardless of whatever news station that you watch says, this is what Jesus is all about. You. And that's it. It's about you. That's why he came. That's why he came to this earth. That's why he sacrificed his life. That's why why he gave us his word. That's why he provided grace and mercy. That's why he he made a way for us to find life and life everlasting and hope. Why? Why? Because of you. Because he cares about you. He didn't come so that we would all serve him. He didn't come so that we could wash his feet. He came so that he could wash ours. And this is truly unbelievable. Like this, this should blow your mind. The Savior of the, of the universe, the Creator of the universe, came not so we could worship. Not sorry, not, not so we could serve him, but so he could serve us. Just think about it in our world today world leaders, kings, presidents, they're not playing second fiddle to you. Anybody who is a world leader is not playing second fiddle to you. If, 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 and this is not just to pick on our current president, this is any president. If the President of the United States walked into our room right now, we would be like, oh, here, come sit in the front. Oh, here, hey, everyone, get him some coffee. Hey, everyone, like, we would be waiting on him. We would want to serve him. We would, we would do all of those things. Now, maybe you would be like, hey, I want to talk to you about your policies, but that would be weird in that particular moment, right? If any world leader came in, the tone would change. And he wouldn't come in and be like, here, let me hand out coffee to everybody. If he did, it would be for a photo op, right? Like, that's, that's it. And they would be like, okay, I'm going to go now. But any world leader, they're not coming in to play second fiddle to everybody else. But Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, came to serve you and me. I can't can't wrap my mind around it. And I can't wrap my mind around it because I'm like, I'm not worthy. It's, It's truly unfathomable. See, the Savior of the entire world came to serve. It doesn't fit anything that we see in this world and in this culture. So when we're trying to fit Jesus into this culture, this is why we struggle. Because everything's about you, isn't it? Everything's about me, isn't it? If something doesn't serve me, eh, I don't need it. If something isn't about me, eh. If I have to to work too hard for something, eh, nah. It's, It's ingrained in us. We like to be served. We like to be waited on. We like to have those experiences. I mean, how often does it happen in churches? We walk in and we think, huh, that didn't quite meet my needs. It didn't quite serve me the way that I liked it. I wanted them to do things a little bit differently because it's about my comfort level. It's about what I like. It's about what I enjoy. It's about all this stuff. Instead of having the mindset of, hey, how can I come into this community of people and serve alongside of everybody? Hey, how can I come into this this group of people and make a difference? Hey, hey, how come come people aren't all about me? And if our attitude is that way and Jesus' attitude is this way, where he came to wash our feet, there's something wrong. There's something wrong here. There's something off. Our, our perspective is not accurate. We have to be aware of this. We have to think about this. If Jesus came to serve, why don't we? Right? I mean, who do we think that we are? We still think everything's about us. We want everything to tend to my expectations. And if they don't fit my expectations, then boom, I'm gone. And if Jesus didn't have that, that attitude, then how in the world can we? And remember, Jesus literally just got done explaining that he was going to do the most selfless thing that a person could do in the entire world. the most selfless thing. and the first response back to him is the most selfish thing that a person could say. How frustrating would that be? My goodness! I would be so angry if I were Jesus, and that's why I'm not. So I'd be like, that's it. You're not getting in. That's what I would have said. You're out the club. You don't understand. But here's Jesus literally saying, I'm going to lay everything down for you. Everything. There's no greater love than when somebody lays down their life for somebody else. And that is what Jesus is about to do. And then James, John, and their mom come along and they're trying to get a leg up on everybody else. Everything Jesus did on this earth was to serve other people. I mean, Jesus is basically the the parent of toddlers. Because that is one of the most selfless things that you can do in this life, is be a parent of a toddler. You have toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's... He, do you know what the reward is for taking care of a toddler? Lack of sleep, gray hair, messiness, diapers, and baby shark. That's your reward. Congratulations, you did it. The most selfless thing that you could do, and that's your reward. I mean, it's mind-boggling when you think about like, oh, you're such a, you're such a little brat. I do all of this for you, and then you just throw your mac and cheese on the floor while staring me in the eyes. It's so frustrating. But being the parent of a toddler, you can look at them and be like, Yeah, you're a little jerk right now. But man, I love you so much. Isn't that weird? They're like the meanest people in the world. And I'm like, gosh, I just love you. Why? Why? You don't do anything for me? I don't get anything out of this. And the reason why is because we understand. They don't know. They don't get it. But with a little bit of help, hopefully one day they will. With a little bit of love. Hopefully one day they'll grow, and they'll mature, and they'll make better decisions. And I'm willing to walk through it with them every step of the way. That's what Jesus says to us. Sometimes you're a jerk. Sometimes you're not the nicest. But guess what? Jesus says, regardless, I'm still doing everything I can to pursue you. I can't make the decision for you. I can't be the one to decide. You have to decide. You have to be like, okay, yep, Jesus, I'm following you. Uh, Jesus cannot make that decision for you. But most parents wouldn't trade the world for their child just as Jesus was willing to lay down his life for the world. Because it is a blessing to be unselfish. It helps me to know that I'm not the center of the universe. And when we do show unselfishness and love for other people, the blessings that you receive in your life are game-changing because it opens your eyes to perspective and it allows you the opportunity to say, wow, this isn't all about me. Wow, this isn't. There's more to life than just me because when you're just focused on you, it's a lonely world. But when you're focused on us, family. So you want to know what Jesus is about, it's you. You want to know why Jesus came to this earth? To serve you. The challenge for you and for me is to say, okay, God, I want to serve other people. Do not let the world tell you otherwise. Do not let culture tell you otherwise. When you pursue Jesus, you discover true love and you discover what unselfishness really looks like and self-sacrifice. There's no greater love in our world, amen? I'm gonna invite our worship team up as we close. I I don't know if you feel like you're right with Jesus, I don't know if you feel like you're on the same page as him. I, I, don't, I don't know where you fall. Maybe you feel like you're right at the center of Jesus' love right here, right now, which is, which is great. Maybe you're up here. Maybe you're down here. Maybe you're in the middle. Like I don't, I don't know exactly where you fall. But I do know that regardless of whatever it is that you're feeling right now, Jesus is waiting for you to turn to him right now. So don't let anything hold you back from that. Don't let anything keep you from pursuing him. Don't let anything distract you. This world is tough. We know it. We have a God who defeated every obstacle that could keep us down. We have a Savior who is willing to sacrifice everything so that you could live. And the reason why we can... Be truly unselfish is because Jesus has paid it all and Jesus has got it covered. It's not on your shoulders. We think, I live in a dog eat dog world. If I don't do this, if I don't take care of me, nobody will. And it's not true because Jesus will. You can't outgive God. You can't outbless God. You can't out unselfishness God. I don't know how else to say that truth is, when you give, God blesses. When you give, God blesses. When you give, God blesses. Every single time, God will provide, and He has provided. So don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Instead, when you pursue Him, your life is going to change in dramatic ways. And this is not meant to be like, oh, hey, if you do this, then you're going to be a millionaire. Absolutely not. You probably will not be. Most likely, absolutely not. That's not why we're here on this earth. You know what's more important than money and stuff? It's love and hope. More important than anything else. And when you find it, you don't ever want to lose it. And it's only found in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you need to get right with Him, get right with Him right now. You need to pursue Him, pursue Him right now. There's nothing more important. Let's stand and let's sing together.